Hi there, I'm Chris Julin, and this is The Really Big Questions, the podcast that asks really big questions. Like, what makes someone devote a lifetime to an idea? Think of Charles Darwin or the Wright brothers. What makes someone plow ahead in the face of repeated failures and doubtful critics? It is very easy to say that something will not work when it hasn't worked yet. Our story is about a man who dreams of harnessing the power of tornadoes. It comes from TRBQ producer Flora Lichtman. She has a new podcast. It's called The Adapters. And this story first appeared there. Probably in the couple of years after we were married, um, it started. That's Suzanne Michaud talking about her husband, Louis. And this radical energy idea that he has. He's been working on it for 50 years in his garage, in his backyard. He is that person, that garage inventor, and he can't let it go. The more I study it, the more convinced I become that this has got the potential to be our solution to the energy problem. What is it? It's a tornado machine. The National Weather Service says it has sighted a tornado. Michaud is envisioning man-made stationary tornadoes that extend miles into the air. I mean, just imagine what that would look like. Good gracious sakes alive. We don't like to use the word tornado because it scares people. Instead, Michaud calls his invention the atmospheric vortex engine. At its base would be turbines that are driven by the air being sucked into the tornado by the updraft. The purpose of the prototype is to produce vortices and eventually to produce energy. And Michaud believes that the power created could cover all of the world's electricity needs. This is how he describes the potential of the tornado machine. Look, this is something that nature does. A large hurricane produces more energy than all the electricity we produce in a year. So if you could produce you know, a number of small vortices, uh, the size of uh, small tornadoes, then effectively we could produce our electricity without producing any greenhouse gas and eliminate the need for burning fuel to produce electricity at least. Michaud happens to live in an oil refining hub. Sarnia, Ontario. It's an area known as Chemical Valley. And he spent most of his career in this industry as an engineer in an ethylene plant. But quietly, on the side, he's been working on this tornado power idea. What does that mean exactly? I mean, how do you go from this far-out idea to reality? How do you convince people that mile-high tornadoes are our energy future? You try and build one. I made this thing, it, it must have been the early 1970s. We're in Michaud's home in Sarnia. He and Suzanne graciously let us visit. And just to set the scene, Michaud is in slacks and a sweater. He has gray hair. And he's, he's a warm person. He looks you in the eye. He smiles a lot. And he's very generous with his time. And right now we're in the den. He's sitting in front of the fireplace on the floor. This is a, a very early prototype of a vortex producer. It's basically just a, uh, a record player turntable that I bought at a garage sale in Port Elgin, Ontario in around 1972. 
So the record player has a screen on it. The air gets entrained in the screen as the record player spins, and this makes a tiny vortex, which we can visualize with fire. And this isn't the only prototype that we saw. There was another in the garage. Michaud pulled out dossiers of research and article clippings. And keep in mind, he's been working on this idea for the last five decades, pretty much alone, really with no support. But then, a few years ago, he caught a break. He was awarded $300,000 from PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel's Breakout Labs, which funds science startups. And Michaud uses the funds to build a larger prototype of his tornado machine. This is a prototype that we've built at uh, Lambton College in Sarnia, Ontario. I call this the uh, LM9 prototype. Two stories high with a 28-foot diameter metal base, like a hexagonal enclosure. And on the top of it is this clear cylinder where the vortex billows out. Michelle and I are ducking inside of the base. I'm crouching and I'm small. And we have to be careful because the base is filled with these outdoor heaters that are usually used at construction sites. They look like tiny rockets. They have flames shooting out the back of them. And actually, that's the sound you're hearing. It's pretty hot in here. Yes, it is. Heat is critical. To make a vortex, you need two things. Hot air and to give it a spin. So this prototype uses these propane heaters, but of course those require fuel. So in the industrial version, Michaud imagines using waste heat from power plants or air heated by the sun. The key is that you need hot air because hot air rises. The atmospheric vortex engine is based on the second law of thermodynamics. Whenever you transport heat from high temperature to a lower temperature, there's a potential for producing energy. So we're saying all we got to do is give that air a spin. The spin, Michaud believes, will allow the hot air to rise higher in the sky than if it weren't spinning. The higher that vortex rises, the more air sucked through the turbines at the base, the more power produced. And the design of the machine is what gets the air spinning. As hot air rises from the base, it's forced through angled slats into this second level of the machine. Okay, so this is the second level? This is the second level, yeah. These get the air spinning, and the tornado is born. Producer Catherine Wells and I shot video inside the machine for a video that the Adapters is doing in collaboration with The Atlantic. So if you want to see how a tornado is born, you can on The Adapters website. So I was really excited about the filming, as you will hear. Woo! Okay, the camera is running. And basically, we could put the smoke in any time? Definitely. Anyway, the smoke lets us see the tornado. It comes in different colors. Let's let's try the green. Yeah, let's see it. Cullen Taylor, a student who works with Michaud, activates the smoke bomb, sticks it into a mailbox in the base, and then we wait. Michaud's long-term aim, remember, is to engineer giant stationary tornadoes. Even up to 10, 12 kilometers. At 10 kilometers, we're talking about a tornado that extends six miles into the sky. The higher the vortex extends, the more energy you can produce. Michaud believes that this could be done safely because you could shut the airflow to the machine off at any time. You control how much air goes into it. But the more immediate question is, can a giant tornado be engineered at all? 
So to answer that, one of the aims of this prototype, the prototype that we're standing in front of right now, is to make strong vortices that consistently rise above the 12-foot enclosure on top of the machine. But so far, that's proven difficult. How did it look? I've seen stronger rotation than this, but it's, uh, it's fine. We're seeing a wispy breeze, like a really delicate dust devil. You can see that it gets blown away as soon as it gets uh, outside, the, uh, outside the cylinder. You know, I think this is what we were expecting. But this is what we were hearing. The propane heaters in the background. The prototype doesn't have turbines installed. No tornado power has been harvested yet. You know, it, it is somewhat like designing a uh, jumbo jet or something like that, which are typically projects involving very large investment. Okay, is this a question of investment or feasibility? I put this to a lot of experts, and the range of responses I got to Michaud's idea, I mean, from people with PhDs in relevant fields, were all over the place. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I think this is really solid science, and the idea is really robust. He didn't take into account friction loss. The thermodynamics or the physics are all there. It, it couldn't just work on any clear sky day, that's for sure. It's not clear to me that making the air flow as a vortex would be a more efficient way of doing it. In order of appearance, that was Paul Markowski, Penn State, Milton Reno, University of Michigan, Jerong Hong, University of Minnesota, Kenny Breuer, Brown University, Markowski again, Howard Bluestein, University of Oklahoma. I don't know why there aren't more women in this field. I ran Michelle's website and papers by about 10 researchers. And here are the takeaways. First of all, people worried about the fact that Michaud hasn't published more papers and that he's operating outside of an institution. That feels more like a bias than a meaningful comment on Michaud's idea. As for the substantive scientific objections, the meteorologists seemed more skeptical than the engineers and physicists. Here's one objection in particular I want to call out. It's from tornado expert Paul Markowski. My gut tells me that when something sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is, but I don't know. It's an interesting idea. But I can just say from the atmospheric science side of things, it, it's just not possible to have buoyant fluid coming out of some low-level reservoir that, that's going to retain its buoyancy for heights of 5 to 10 kilometers unless it's starting out at an absolutely incredible temperature. Here's the translation. Markowski doubts that you could get the tornado to go miles high unless you had a ton of heat, more than Michaud is suggesting, or perfect atmospheric conditions. And here's the other caution, and this one I think Michaud would probably agree with. This is fluid dynamicist Kenny Breuer of Brown. It's really hard to use these low-grade energies. I mean, waste heat is waste for a reason. And so the thing that is really hard is to do it in such a way that the, the system you build to capture the energy does not waste more energy than it captures. The takeaway? Is it impossible to capture energy in this way? No. Would it be really hard? Yes. Now, there are other people working on similar concepts. Our government, through ARPA-E, gave $3 million to a project really similar to Michaud's. The lead investigator at Georgia Tech declined to comment. 
And going farther back, there's this solar chimney idea, which is pretty similar too. Rising air is converted to energy, except there's a physical chimney around that air. One was built 30 years ago. It did produce energy, but at really low efficiencies. Michaud says that to really test his idea, we need to try it at an industrial scale. And, you know, I asked him a lot about the controversy his ideas generated and the pushback he's gotten. When people geek out over your invention online, and it has generated a lot of chatter, by the way. I don't know if you read these comments. I I read some of them, but sometimes there's some of them that I miss, of course, because there's there's too much. Uh, I haven't read many blogs about it. There's a lot. There's a lot of people talking about it. And it's fascinating because there's just wide disagreement. You know, some people seem to immediately get it and like it and are staunch defenders. Other people are skeptical, you know, saying the proof is in the pudding, right? Build me a device that produces energy and then let's talk. It seems like that's a reasonable demand of people. Okay. I mean, do you think so? Um, Not that it shouldn't be pursued, just that... Well, I I think, you know, controversy on something that hasn't been demonstrated to to work on an industrial scale is, is normal. Uh, people have always said, you know, we things heavier than air will not fly. Uh, it'll be impossible to go at supersonic speed. It, it, it's very easy to say that something will not work when it hasn't worked yet. Michaud wasn't the only person who said that to me. Sandra Niestek, an engineer at the University of Split in Croatia, who's published scientific papers that reference Michaud's idea, sums it up this way. He wrote, There are a certain number of scientists who are skeptical about the proposed concept, but maybe this idea is ahead of its time. I strongly believe that in the future we will be able to utilize controlled vortices for electricity production. The limits are only our mind capabilities. Maybe we'll need to wait for another Nikola Tesla to push this idea. Who knows? He is a person who hides a brilliant mind under a casual attitude. Michaud's wife, Suzanne. A couple of years ago in my book group, we read a book called The Reluctant Genius, The Life of Alexander Graham Bell. When I read that book, I thought, this is Louis almost word for word, like the way Alexander Graham Bell was obsessed with spending a lot of nights awake thinking of this and churning these ideas out. And Louis is the same, like he gets up in the morning and he hasn't slept all night. So (laughs) I think he's maybe more frustrated now because, well, time is, you know, his time is getting shorter and uh, certainly he would like to see this developed. So that's what we're all hoping for. I would be very disappointed if it wasn't developed during my lifetime. I don't necessarily care too much whether it's myself. I'd certainly like to participate in the development, and I'm sure that anybody who was developed would want my participation. And, uh, you know, if I can contribute something to um, to our clean energy future, uh, 
I, I think that no matter what happened, I'll die thinking that I have. <laughs> I think for us, the idea of working on a project for 50 years, it's moving and also hard to imagine in some ways, you know, as young people. Okay. You know? Well, I, I, I think that in a way I was fortunate and unfortunate to realize the potential. And there were other people who, who came across the idea before me and they didn't get the support necessary either. But basically, once you get the realization that something is possible, it's difficult. It's something that is going to really improve our life is possible. I would consider it treacherous to, to abandon it. That's our episode for today. Thank you for listening to our maiden voyage. We have an awesome video of that tornado machine on our website. Please check it out at theadapters.org. That's also a good place to leave us a note. And we would love to get a note from you. Please leave us feedback. Um, We'd love to hear what you thought of the podcast. Or do you have story tips? Share them with us. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. This podcast was produced by Catherine Wells and me. Chris Julin is our digital manager. Carolyn Silviera is the digital strategist. Robin Wise is our technical director. Rob Rand is our editor. Mary Beth Kirchner is the managing producer. Barry Scott is the executive director. Special thanks to Annette Heist. Our science advisor for this episode is Matthew Jones, a mechanical engineering professor at Brigham Young University. Music by Broke for Free, Kevin McLeod and Martin Crane. Sound effects from the Prelinger Archive and Free Sound Project. This is a Sound Vision Productions production with support from the Sloan Foundation. I'm Flora Lichtman. This is The Adapters. <laughs>